0: Loosely adapted from Jane Austen's Emma.
1: It totally took place in the 90s, though. <laughs> Find all of these books and more adaptations on our originals page at thenextreel.com slash originals.
0: Start your next read from the movies we've covered. Visit thenextreel.com slash originals today.
1: I'm Pete Wright. And I'm Andy Nelson.
0: Welcome to the next reel. When the movie ends, our conversation begins. 17 fille is over. Nous sommes comme les coccinelles. Tout d'un, nous sommes partis. À 17 ans, nous n'est pas sérieux. On rêve. Et on a une énergie dedans. Et
1: personne ne peut rien contre ça.
0: I ain't got no home. Alors vous avez un témoin, un petit point blanc, ou alors un plus ou un tout va Andy, it's ten years, ten years, ten years in a row. Can you believe it It's a long time. You look not a day older than the day we started. Not a day. i You've not, aged actually. so gracefully. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we will, I'm sure, perseverate on uh, our age in coming weeks. But for this film, we are kicking off a new series of films also celebrating their 10 years, <laughs> 10 years on this earth. <laughs> um, <laughs> was there any other thought put to this
1: series beyond let's pick movies that are 10 years old? No, no. I I think that we said, hey, we're turning 10. Let's talk about some other movies that are also turning 10. And I think that was about the extent of our of our planning. But what's interesting about this is Is that the
0: babies in this movie are now 10 years old.
1: Whoa, that is so (laughs) true. I would love to do a follow up and actually find some of them and interview them. Yeah. About their experiences. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> making, of making film. this movie <laughs> um no but what's in- so what i thought was interesting or i what i thought would be interesting because we're talking about 10 films that came out in uh 2011 Let's look at some of the other films that had been in kind of like the conversations back in 2011, just to kind of put our get our headspace wrapped around, you know, what were movies of the time? And really, I think part of the idea of this particular series is to see, you know, how these films have held up over 10 years. Like, do they still feel relevant? Do they still feel current? Do they feel like something that could stand the test of time or do they feel like something that's kind of perhaps already being forgotten or is going to be forgotten uh sometime soon
0: i already got one that feels more relevant than it did in 2011 can you guess which one i'm talking about andy from this list or just in general no just in general tell me contagion
1: baby oh well (laughs) yeah (laughs) <laughs> yes, that film uh, did have quite the resurgence. Very specifically yeah. because of all of this, but just I, I thought yeah. it would be interesting to say to look at uh, some films that came out in 2011, and uh, not just came out, but were kind of like the films people were talking about. Kind of all of this, and get a sense of which ones are the ones that at this point people still think are relevant. So let's start at. Do I start at the Oscars, at Con, or box office? I think box office. Let's start with uh, pop culture. So let's, we're going to look at the top 10 films based on worldwide gross from 2011. Okay. Number one, Harry Potter and the Deathly Hallows part two. Oh my God. Can you believe that
0: franchise ended 10 years ago?
1: Yeah. It's bonkers to me. Wow. And You know, I'd say that it's largely still a very popular franchise and series. I think, yeah, you know, 10 years down the road, the author starts saying certain things and (laughs) upsetting a certain uh, large group of people. It does make me wonder uh, how uh, a lot of people are going to kind of continue seeing this franchise moving forward. But uh, but still. You know, it is a big franchise. They got an amusement park. I think it's on. Un- I think the Harry Potter franchise. I think the the
0: beasts of the of you know Fantastic beasts, Waverly Place <laughs> uh, of Waverly Place <laughs> might be might be uh, uh, questionable. I don't think Harry Potter itself the the core series
1: is is stoppable. I think that's a it's it's reached cultural touchstone. Yeah. Well, I mean, the third fra- Fantastic Beasts is uh, underway. So yeah, we'll see. Um, yeah, we'll see. Uh, second up, Transformers: Dark of the Moon. Oh, for crying out loud, that's ten years. That is ten years. That was the third, yeah, of the live-action Transformer movies. Third is Pirates of the Caribbean on Stranger Tides. Okay, I feel like this is a who's who of the major. 2011 was was a big, <laughs> massive yeah. franchise year. Well, we hit this point where almost everything that came out was a franchise. In fact, yeah, everything on here is either a remake or a sequel. So, wow. Yeah. Pirates of the Caribbean. That's the fourth of the Pirates of the Caribbean movies where they said, let's come back and tell the stories all over again. Next up, The Twilight Saga, Breaking Dawn, Part One. Okay. Next up, Mission Impossible, Ghost Protocol. (laughs) Nice. Okay. Yeah. Now we're at number six, Kung Fu Panda Two. Of course. Number seven, Fast Five. Number five. Excellent. Yeah. Number eight, The Hangover, Part Two.
0: Not as funny as one.
1: Number 9, The Smurfs. <laughs> it just makes you make sounds. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> Smurfs. See, that's that was that was not new IP, but it wasn't a remake. It wasn't a remake, but it was uh based on uh you know the old cartoon uh, and everything. So it's it had been around for decades by the time that movie came out. And last but not least, number 10, Cars 2. Wow. Okay. Yeah. And then if you want to look at 11th and 12th, Puss in Boots, another sequel, Sherlock Holmes, A Game of Shadows, another sequel. Hmm. So, those are the highest-grossing okay. films. No, I mean, sure, I think people still watch those movies, you know, that they're popular, and that's why a lot of this stuff still lasts. So, you know, stand the test of time, sure. Let's look at the Academy Awards. The film's nominated for Best Picture. This was right around the time that they, this was the first or second year after they increase the number from five
0: Who was so who was who was this there was there still a host this year do you remember if this was one of the years where they stopped hosting i'm sure there because they've only been doing that for like three years right the host was uh billy crystal this was his return okay all right yeah
1: good all right so this year i'm gonna uh uh just kind of go down the list so uh we have one two three four five six we have nine nominees this year Mm -hmm. first up the artist remember that movie <laughs> sure well yeah uh, no i know I'm you joking, don't remember but.
0: the art andy are you okay did you throw I remember a it
1: i'm joking because nobody talks about it anymore It's ah. it was a cultural you know touchstone at the moment and immediately everybody forgot they're like oh yeah. cool a black and white silent movie and then everyone said okay let's move on yeah because that was uh that was a king's speech year, right king's speech was no. the big no no, it The was. Artist one Best Picture. The King's Speech came out the year before and beat uh, Social oh, Network. Oh, right. Right, right, right. You're right. No, you're right. I'm off. I'm off. Yeah. Next up, The Descendants. Yeah. Alexander Payne's film, George Clooney. Yep. Yep. Fantastic. Uh, next up, Extremely Loud and Incredibly Close. Uh, okay. Another one people don't talk about. The Help. Oh, yeah. Well, they talk about The Help. Hugo. Hugo. Awesome. Midnight in Paris.
0: Oh, yeah. I love that movie. I think I'm the only one.
1: Well, you know, Moneyball. I don't even need to say anything. The Tree of Life. Tree of Life. War Horse. All right. So, uh, <laughs> well, I, I, you know, of those, yeah, my pick, the one that I would say is my favorite of all of those is Moneyball, for sure. The Descendants yeah. would probably be second. Uh, and then who knows from there. An interesting kind of swath of films, though, uh, other films that came out this year, Tinker Taylor Soldier Spy, which didn't even get nominated, A Better oh, Life, uh, which fantastic. was a great film, didn't get nominated. The, uh, David Fincher's The Girl with the Dragon Tattoo, My Week with Marilyn, The Iron Lady. Uh, oh, you know. Iron
0: Lady. That that was uh, Meryl Streep won Best Actress yeah, for that she one, did. right? She
1: did. She did. Yeah. Yeah. Ah. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, uh, you know, uh, and Bridesmaids also came out that year. So, I mean... Yeah. It's an interesting list of films that were nominated, but again, a lot of stuff that, uh, you know, I don't know. I, I guess some of them have stuck. Like The Tree of Life, certainly it's it, for Terrence Malick. It's something that people still love and talk about. Moneyball, I think, is stuck. Uh, Midnight in Paris, I mean, that certainly is one of Woody Allen's films that people still discuss when they want to talk about Woody Allen. Um, I don't know about you, but Hugo, you know, it's, it certainly is kind of something in our house that's easy to kind of put on for the kids, uh, you know, because it's just an easy, fun yeah. film to watch. I enjoy it. Uh, and, you know, the other ones, I like them. I think they're fine, but I don't necessarily need the, need to feel like I'm going to run out and watch them again. Yeah. Interesting. So, okay. So, uh, it, and I guess this, spe- oh, and and animated films, I, let's just say Rango, actually one, and that is an original story. And one that I completely love. Yeah, I do too, but it didn't do very well, right? No, it was weird. My wife, yeah. we went and saw it, and she's like, "I could barely stand it because all the characters in it were so ugly, and hard to look at." <laughs> that was her reaction. Wow. It, I mean, it's full of like ugly, weird little creatures, and so yeah, I can I can see that it's not a pretty fun. It's not like a cutesy film to watch. Wow, but uh, interesting considering Gore Verbinski, uh, you know, uh, was so involved in the. Um, films with uh, the pirates that here he is doing that one and that uh, one you know, best animated film for him so yeah okay last but not least uh, let's look at Khan at the Khan Film Festival I'll just go down this this is the films in official competition for the Palm d'Or The Artist Drive Footnote Anezu Parakiri Death of a Samurai Le Havre House of Tolerance The Kid with a Bike Melancholia Michael Once Upon a Time in Anatolia Pater Police, The Skin I Live In, Sleeping Beauty, The Source, This Must Be the Place, The Tree of Life, We Have a Pope, We Need to Talk About Kevin. We need to talk about Kevin. That's the
0: that's the one I can hang my hat on.
1: <laughs> well, that's the only film of all of these lists that is on our list of 10 films that we're going to be talking about here. <laughs> Now, that's not to say we haven't talked about some of these other films in other series. I mean, we talked about Drive. That was uh, something we talked about way back when in our Great Car Chases films. But it is, I mean, I think it's interesting to kind of look at these different lists and just, just see kind of what came out 10 years ago and what films people are talking about, what have kind of completely dropped off people's radars. And now, I mean, we're going to be looking at these 10 films and just kind of, you know, get a sense as to... You know, do these hold up at all?
0: All right. Well, you know, Andy, we've come to my new favorite part of the show, which is a staple. I don't like this part of the show.
1: I I don't know if you know that. And I want you to go first this time. (laughs) No, I'll go first.
0: This is the, what did Pete think of this movie? And we're calling it, what did Pete think of this movie Uh, only as a title? Really? It's what did we each think of this movie? But uh, yeah. All right. I think you found something terrifying as a father about this movie. I think texture. you love the texture and the tone of the movie and, um, and you thought that the pacing was subdued and, uh, really attracted to the, uh, overall story that these girls, uh, went through in their lives, um, learning lessons and, uh, uh, living together and then breaking apart. And it was sad at the end. And you liked that. That's what I think. Interesting. Interesting.
1: Now it's your turn. Now, what did I think? I think think that largely you felt the same i think that um i don't know maybe i'm 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 reading my own thoughts and kind of uh putting them onto you because as two fathers of of girls i think that there is a lot of scary uh things to see in the in this story so i think that there's definitely some of that i think that um you found it to be an interesting but challenging film to watch because it's hard to really connect with the characters but uh and certainly with their decisions in the story but in context of what it might be saying about uh kind of society and youth i think that there were elements that you found interesting oh i'm on tinterhook sandy i am just i feel like i'm gonna hold my breath right now let's do everything else This film was not rated when it was released over here in the U.S., uh, but it's, you know, it's considered fairly mild in the sex and nudity, profanity, and alcohol, drugs, and smoking. But that being said, I mean, you do see a bunch of teenage girls wandering around in their bras and, and underwear while they're getting physicals and trying to get pregnant. I mean, this is, you know, 16, 17, I don't know, maybe 15, some girls, like, trying to get pregnant. And so it's definitely a point of the story. So it's it t- deals with fairly adult themes. And let's just be honest. This is France and so everybody is smoking and drinking constantly. Oh god. Yeah. <clears throat> there yes. we go. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. want to feature audio reviews from you. After you have watched the films we're talking about, send us your 30-second audio file to TrueStory.fm as soon as you watch the film, and we just might showcase your voice on the show. You gotta get them into us quick, though. We record early, so the sooner you get your clip into us, the more likely it will end up on the podcast for that particular movie. Again, it's reviews at true And you know what you should do?
0: When you do your recordings, make sure you say, hey, this is Allen from Allentown, PA, so we know who you are in the actual audio. Introduce yourself, you know,
1: introduce yourself, like a gentleman or a gentle lady, whatever. Uh, and if you're curious about what movies we're actually going to be talking about, if you're not exactly sure, head over to our Letterboxd HQ page. Uh, we have the list right there in our profile at the top. You can just click on the, the list of films we're going to be talking about and see the entire list for the entire 2021-2022 season. And again, we're right now starting our uh, 10th anniversary series. And from there forward, I mean, feel free to watch anything. Send us that review. And while you're there at Letterboxd, if you want to get a discount on your pro or patron membership, use the discount code NextReel, or just visit thenextreel.com slash letterboxd. You'll get 20% off. This works for renewals as well. You don't want to do
0: Letterbox? that's fine. We don't judge. But if you do want to watch this movie and help us out, if you see an Apple or Amazon link to to, uh, the film in our show notes, you can click on it, which will take you straight to their site where you can rent or buy the movie. And when you do this, we get a little taste right off the top. It's a win-win.
1: We are um, working on constantly increasing product in our merch store. We're slowly kind of putting the stuff together for our last series, our horror debuts. Going to be getting that in there soon. And, you know, it's just a fun way to just offer different products for people. And, you know, some of them are fun. Some of them are, like, very obvious as to what the movie is. Some of them are complete mysteries. Yeah, very much (laughs) like Easter eggs that only people who really, really are fans might know. But, you know, that's part of the fun. You can go to truestory.fm slash TNR merch, and you can see the whole lineup of all the stuff that we're putting together. Hey, we
0: need your support. We don't sell your information. We don't uh, track you. We don't have any invasive advertising technology in here. We just give you the podcasts. That's what we do. But to do that, for those of you who are regular listeners,
1: we need a hand. We need to ask you to become a supporting member of The Next Real. As a member, you can vote on the weekly Saturday matinee polls that we have every week, choosing the list topic based on the movie we're talking about this week. If you were already a member, you could have voted on the list topic for 17 Girls already.
0: Members also get early access to every episode, and they get so many bonus episodes. There are so many
1: bonus. I'm buried in bonus episodes right now. Buried. <laughs> there are a lot. Yeah, there's the monthly member bonus episode, which fills in a gap from one of our current or previous series. Last month, it was Relic, which uh, I think uh, ended up being our favorite of the horror debut series. Uh, we T-shirt have to be. Yeah, the T-shirt's available. <laughs> we're uh, going to have our list uh, of options available to our members uh, you know, very shortly as to, or the list is probably already available, as to what we're going to be talking about for our October member bonus episode. But wait, there's even more than that. Members get to watch the live stream as we record our
0: shows and can uh, chat along with us in the uh, Discord uh, live stream chat uh, and uh, chat about the movie we're talking about as we're doing it. And, of course, you can go back and listen to all the live streams after they happen
1: and as a member you also get access to members only channels in our discord community
0: and now members also get stickers i've got this batch of stickers and i sometimes drop them in the mail and i just send them to you you don't know when you're going to get them you don't know what you're going to get just a little sticker of
1: love best of all this whole bit of us talking about you just don't have to listen to anymore which you know for me that's a win-win right there (laughs)
0: unfortunately we still have to say it
1: yeah, we still have to record it. So really, it's yeah. win for you. It's lose it's for win, us. It's a win lose, <laughs> is what it is.
0: We don't we don't love asking, but we do love podcasting. So head over to TrueStory.fm slash TNR membership, uh, sign up today. Uh, throw us a bone, help us out. He- listen to all of the bonus episodes. Get access to the shows early. The whole gambit. Learn more about our membership tiers. Again, TrueStory.fm slash TNR membership. Most it'll cost you is five bucks a month or fifty five dollars a year.
1: To the man cave. On this couch, wearing clothes made from recycled plastic. And I haven't showered since Thursday. Mandy Fabian. And on this couch, lover of all things real housewives and fart
0: jokes. Mm -hmm. (laughs) That was a good one. Oh, God. Mandy Kaplan. Each week, these best friends and polar opposites hunt down a movie, TV show, or trend. Whether it's Brene Brown or Little House on the Prairie. Or something good. Okay, that's unnecessary. And drag it back to the cave to duke it out. I'm just saying the Ingalls never break into song and it needs Not it. Not everything, everything has to be. Everything needs music. You think everything Schindler's List should be a musical. Everything would be
1: better oh, everyone would worst. just sing It's the worst. It's the worst. I should sing You're that. You're the worst. Uh,
0: ladies, can we get back to the.
1: Sorry, uh. Tune into the Man Cave wherever
0: you get your podcasts to see if the friendship survives. You're so dramatic. It's a comedy podcast. So's your face. (gasps) That's a good one. Time for the reveal.
1: What did you think of the movie? Was I right? Did I nail it? Well, now I can't remember what you said. <laughs> we've done so much between i've kind of forgot i'll just tell you and you could tell me if i was okay. right or not i i mean yes this was like watching a horror movie and it's very funny to come on the heels of our horror debut uh series because yeah, I'm it's like, is tie, our eh? horror <laughs> debut series still continuing is holy crap yeah watching 17 girls as a father of a, a girl who just turned 15 i mean it it was very kind of horrifying to kind of watch these girls making these decisions and it was very, I don't know, it was just very frustrating to see what they were doing. I found it to, So I found it to be a hard film. I found it hard to kind of connect with the characters. But in context of what the story was doing, I found it to be kind of interesting. And so, you know, I, I don't think it's a film I'll return to. But I, I think that there were some interesting things that, uh, for me, felt like things that generated things to think about and conversation to have. I'm glad that you you found something to think about in this movie. I found it. Horrible.
0: I did not like anything about it. I mean, I feel like I was so disconnected from these personalities of these girls as our protagonists. I thought as a parent, I'm definitely on team parent, right? The, the only character I found I could really connect with was maybe angry dad. Like I, <laughs> like I could really channel him, but all the girls I found just, they just ridiculous like the whole thing i hate the fact that it's a true story right that it's based on this this <laughs> school in gloucester mass that uh where this happened and we'll we can talk more about that uh, but i found so so little to connect with uh with these characters that after i got the premise i was i was i, I just waffled back and forth between bored to tears and really angry uh and so I. I did not find anything to to love about this movie and uh mostly just resented it. Um so I I didn't I, I there's just there's nothing else. The whole thing is shot like a uh, like uh the like it's a a pilot for a stock photo montage uh for Instagram. Like I just didn't I didn't really care for how they how they set it up I didn't care for anything the thing that's most interesting to me is just the setting and um and uh the the town of uh Laurent is uh really fascinating um it has a fascinating history uh but uh, overall the film I found i it just was it was so it i want to say it wasn't for me but it was like at the other end of of movies that are made for me like if there's a spectrum
1: it's pretty far from it well okay so This is going to be an interesting conversation because I, I really don't think that this is a film that's designed to make you like it. I don't, I I think that it's a film designed to, to kind of create this situation for you and kind of, uh, you know, explore some of the rationales that, that people go through in situations like this that are very, uh, I don't know, they're, they're interesting and complex as far as like what people go through mob mentality youthful, immortality, you know, all these sorts of things. But I mean, they never give us girls to really like and connect with. And and certainly like Camille, our lead, I mean, there are elements that I think that we can connect with. And if there is something that I would call a save the cat moment for her, it's the fact that she comes home and we realize that she's living in a place where she's just not feeling any love. Her mom is just dismissive and doesn't pay any attention. And you know, so she's feeling lost and needs something more. And uh, so I think that there's an element of that 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 we get from her. But from that point forward, she ends up becoming largely kind of the antagonist in the story. And if I I just wrote down, she's almost like the Pied Piper in a really horrific yeah, way. Yeah, that's a, it's great. Where it, it's like this this element of popularity in this teenage circle and you know that just snowballs in the most horrific of ways as these girls decide oh i want to get pregnant too and it really i mean i don't think anybody was thinking that when when uh, camille revealed to her friends that she was pregnant um, i think for her it was just one of those things that she didn't want and it was an accidental pregnancy and now she's going to have to deal with it but what is interesting is then there was this young girl and this is this is a big frustration i have with the film is like I know, like, no names of the girls yeah. other than yeah. Camille and Clementine. Like, those two. Uh, some of them are mentioned. They're all credited with names, but, like, uh, they so rarely... They certainly don't matter. Yeah, they well, they don't talk about. They just never say it. And so that makes it very hard to know who's who. I'm just going to call her number two. She's the <laughs> one who, <laughs> which, in context of Austin Powers, I guess, all of a sudden turns it into a whole yeah. different thing. But number two... <laughs> Who does number two work for? <laughs> she, she ends up, you know, she's dismissed by this group. They don't want her sitting with them. She's She feels left out. And she's wanting to be in the popular crowd. And so she lies, as we find out later in the film, to Camille and says, hey, I'm pregnant too. And all of a sudden, now they have this little club. And then Camille starts telling her friends, oh, you should do it too. And it turns into this thing where all of a sudden all these girls want to do it. And we end up with 17 pregnancies, 16 real pregnancies, and one loss. It ends up being one loss. So 15 babies by the time we get to the end of the film. But that moment, that catalyst of that second girl saying, hey, I'm pregnant too, just it, it turns into this thing that makes people want to be part of this club. And for me... That creates this this I mean, that's why I feel like this really is a horror film. And, uh, you know, it's creating this sense of what these girls like want to do with their lives, thinking they're invincible, wanting to make these decisions on their own, especially for people when they come from a house where they're just not feeling like they're loved. They don't have any good examples to look up to. And, uh, you know, I, I saw this in an article about the actual Gloucester controversy. They said it was a misguided adolescent shortcut to adulthood and identity. And I was like, that's exactly what we're seeing here. And that's why it's so horrific.
0: Well, it is. And I think that's absolute. There is a story in here that's interesting. And I don't think it's this movie. I think that that and I totally agree with you. Right. I'm I'm absolutely on Team Andy when it comes to this movie isn't out to make me love it.
1: Can we make that shirt absolutely on Team Andy?
0: No, we can't make that. Of course we can't make that. I'm putting it it in one one. (laughs) I'm changing the password. That's the one time you're going to hear it. That's it. So, but I do think there has to be something in a character, in a film for me to to attach to, to relate to. And what this film did was present me with 17 anonymous girls, right? Who have no identity, doing something stupid, uh, riddled instead of with, uh, uh, I think, real pain. And maybe this is a performative critique. Maybe the girls just weren't capable of actually selling it. Uh, but I I didn't get any of what you just said. They were it was just this movie was the the equivalent of a hammer tone. Like it was just like truculence and boredom. Like they I, I get that they were set up and presented to have sequences of uh, of challenge, like when when Camille goes home and we find that her living arrangement isn't great, I I get all that. I absolutely I saw it on screen. I didn't care at all about anyone in this movie. I just didn't care. And if I can't care, then I can't I I can't relate. Do you know what I mean? Like, can you think of a movie wh- where you like uh, that that is similar in tone? to this one where they give you these protagonists that are complex right there it's a real i mean you call save the cat we talked about pet the dog like giving your complex challenging character something to relate to something to that that says okay this person has made a bad decision or is doing bad things but they have a history that makes that allows us to relate a little bit to them but but can you think of a movie where that is is that you really loved that does something similar in this movie because i can't i can't think of a parallel
1: well i mean i i mean not off the not off the cuff i'd have to kind of think about that a little you're bit you're supposed so. to do it right now <laughs> well i appreciate your passion for me to do that right now but so okay so that's interesting because i I I think that there are characters that we do end up caring about. Uh, I mean, again, I think that Camille does have elements in her life. Her mother, like, there's no father around. Her mother is always working and, you know, completely kind of dismissive of anything with her. Her brother largely is kind of okay, um, but also is not around. He's going off to war. Uh, but they have some moments of connection that I really like. And then there's also Clementine, who... I think ends up being the character that we care about, perhaps the most of the group, because. Wait, was she the one that they shoved into the beach trailer or was that Florence? Was that the. That's that come was time. Clem. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Right. She's the one who, uh, you know, really wants to get pregnant. Her body is kind of too small to be getting it. She seems like the youngest, perhaps, of the group. She's the one who wa- she finally gets pregnant. And then her parents find out and her parents act like parents. You know, they're like, what are you thinking? You know, you you can't do this. You're insane. Yeah. Yeah. And they want to take her to get an abortion, which, you know, interestingly, like as parents in France, at least at this particular point in time, you were 100 percent not allowed to be involved in any of those decisions. Um, So that's that was kind of an interesting element to kind of hear about. And just that's like there's an there's. Interesting elements going on with the kind of the parents and the teachers as far as responsibilities and what they're allowed to do and not allowed to do that it's just, I guess, some of it's different. But it's interesting to kind of get those points of view throughout the film. Her parents are very upset. And so she sneaks out and leaves and goes to live in this beach trailer that is just horrific. That all the girls and see this is why I think it's interesting because we get these moments of like when they're all together it's it, it's that mob mentality they're all happy they're having a good time they're talking about their futures they're all going to live together going to raise each other's babies and it's going to be this amazing hippie commune sort of thing and then throughout the film we keep getting these moments of them sitting alone sitting in their room and I I can't help but feel like we're having these moments that are like. The moment where they're realizing how heavy this situation is and they're feeling alone, they're feeling isolated, they're feeling left behind and they're not feeling connected at all and scared. And I think there's a lot of that in those moments that we don't necessarily feel when they finally get to groups. And when Clementine is with them and they're all in the trailer with her, like everything's fine. And then they all say they're leaving and Camille ends up staying because Clementine all of a sudden realizes how absolutely Terrified, she is. She's in this place that they've kind of all put her in, where she's now living in this <laughs> abandoned beach trailer that has no windows, and they're just leaving, and they're they're like leaving her on her own, and uh, it's it's like horrific the way that the the brains work in like the mob mentality versus as individuals. I felt like as I was
0: watching the the mob mentality sequences, right, sitting around the table and talking, I felt like you know when I was fifteen. 16, 17, if I was, had been sitting in a restaurant uh, or a coffee shop, we didn't really go to sh- coffee shops when I was that age, but sitting in a restaurant, we'll call it La Casita, pink Mexican restaurant, used to be a gas station. We used to get a big table in the corner, a bunch of us, and we would have this conversation. And our, the kinds of conversations we would have, I feel like if you had been sitting at a table next to us listening, you would have felt how I felt listening to these girls have those conversations. You would have done everything you could to get away from them because they were insipid. They were so they were so boring and terrible. I could not connect with them. I, I, I get that there is a sort of ballooning sort of effervescence that comes from the girls sitting together. But by the end of it, I couldn't stand listening to their voices anymore. Like I was I was just really turned off by the entire presentation of it because I felt like none of those scenes actually brought me any closer to connecting with who they really were. I seeing uh, Clementine in the, you know, w- w- hopelessly sitting in the in the, the beach house, of course, of course, I feel a glimmer of something because you put anybody in a situation like that and it's going to be uh, it, it's going to be a sad thing. It's sad to watch somebody in that kind of grief. Did I care about her circumstance as somebody trying to get pregnant or having gotten pregnant because of this gang pregnancy? no i it 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 never lent to getting me over the hump of these girls did something awful the town let them down and this should be an indictment on gloucester massachusetts not necessarily something that should be
1: taken from clickbait headline to feature film well okay i it's interesting that uh, you react that way cuz i i'm sympathizing with the girls and the situation that they've put themselves in. I don't agree with any of kind of what they have done, the decisions they've made, but I was able to sympathize with them and I I felt for them as they ended up in this place. And okay, so first of all, before we continue, I want to get it out of the way. Gloucester High School in on June 18th, 2008, there was a lot of news that the news broke that day. 18 students had become pregnant in the last year over four times the previous year's reported pregnancies now what uh, there the principal had said some of the girls made a pact to become pregnant together one even with a homeless 24 year old man in the pursuits to conceive now the mayor said there was no pact one of the girls actually said there was no pact what happened apparently was a group of girls who already had been pregnant decided that they were going to help each other finish school raise their kids together. So essentially that was the pact. It was post pregnancy as opposed to hey let's all get pregnant together. But it had already made the news and already, you know, created a huge uh story about this idea of this pregnancy pact and I think that kind of like you know, pulled people into this whole controversy that happened back then. So, just to clarify that element.
0: Now, have you have you seen the Lifetime movie, The Pregnancy Pack?
1: No, I was actually going to uh, talk about kind of all of the influences of this when we get to kind of the sequels and remakes uh, section because there's a there's a list. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We should we should hold off on that,
0: but I do think it's really interesting because there is a real cultural uh, pull. There's an orbit around. Uh, this story and uh, and stories like this that that make for, um, you know, giving a lot of people stuff to
1: talk about. And I, I think it's just running headlong into my
0: disinterest in stories
1: like this. Well, and so here's here's the other thing that I wanted to say is, is there an element in here that, you know, we're looking at this as men coming to this particular story made uh, a story made by uh, women about girls and this decision The story, very interestingly, and I would argue purposefully, doesn't include the guys' side of the story. Like, we never really deal with the guys. Um, Oh, and the guys are— They're completely dismissed, especially in the sense of being fathers. Tom, who obviously fathered at least two of the girls, I think only two of the girls, I mean, he's never—you know, even when he kind of circles back into the story— Later in the film, he's never discussed as a father option. It's just a guy. They, they, it's so I think there's an element of the film that I, I don't I don't necessarily want to call it coming from a feminist point of view, but it, it certainly is from a woman's point of view about these women making these decisions. And so some of this makes me wonder, and I, I really wish that you know we could get it. Like you know, it's not going to be com- coming from the two of us, but what perspective uh, as a woman? Would they be coming to this film and are is there going to be a larger draw and connection to uh, some of the things going on here yeah that's interesting i I was trying to sort of
0: rationalize that and and get a sense of maybe the Coulomb um, as filmmakers you know made a movie that just again was not uh, was not made for me uh, that there was there's a message in here that i that that women and and girls you know would connect to uh, much better. I resent that position a little bit in myself because I like to feel like I'm I'm at least modestly worldly enough to be able to feel what is going on with these people's lives. And I again, I think there's a story there. I think this is a boring movie. And and I think that might be the simplest way to describe my sense of it, that it it takes a story. That might have a lot of weight, a lot of this Pied Piper, uh, thema- these Pied Piper thematic elements that you're talking about and ended up being, um, uh, and, and could have gone in a direction to make an engaging dramatic film with characters we care about. And dare I say, even love a little bit at the end of the movie because we have been presented their, um, their story in a way that doesn't present them as, as vapid, uh, but presents them more as, uh, extremes of real human beings um, and and so I, I i feel like that might be the the curse of the film is that it's the filmmaking that that made it boring that made these girls boring for me and and i i have i struggle with that
1: i you know and i i can't um you know fault that too much i i can understand kind of that perspective and i think some of that does come the fr- from the fact that i mean It's a story about 17 characters. That's a lot of characters to kind of focus on. And like I said, like we barely learn five of the names of these girls. Like it's just, it's a group of girls. And that does make it very frustrating for me. But I would still argue that of all of them, Clementine is the one who we really end up attaching to. You know, she's so desperate to be in this group. You know, she's the one who isn't getting pregnant, doesn't have a boy who seems interested in her, she ends up having to pay this boy to kind As of... As he comes to, out of a urinal. Uh, you're right To, to sleep <laughs> with her.
0: Oh, I'm scared.
1: You wouldn't want to sleep
0: with me? What? It doesn't work? you think I don't know that you're trying to make a baby? And if I give you
1: 20 euros, you wouldn't want to? It doesn't work, but you're a
0: fool, you.
1: Trente. Uh, later, they obviously end up kind of staying together because when they're at their beach party later, he, they're kind of still with each other. So at least he's kind of stayed in her life. And I'm like, well, OK, maybe there's something here. Like maybe he's actually going to be involved in the baby's life. Who knows? Again, they never deal with that. But. I I really was drawn to her story because of all of them she's the one who most wants to be in the club to, to the point where she well she and number 2 I'd say so there's an interesting element there but we never really deal with number 2 after that opening and so that's what's that's where it's frustrating for number 2 is like she gets in because she lies and later she gets booted because they discover that whereas Clementine she gets in she's the one who goes through all the drama with her her family and takes uh, is taken in by this quote other family that really isn't doing anything for her they leave her i mean they abandon her in this awful awful place and then she finally has to call her mom uh to come get her but then she's still sneaking out like so there's there are frustrating elements with that and that's where i think for me I found interest in these characters, uh, especially Clem. I was able to kind of ride along with her because, you know, she's making dumb choices and she's going out to the beach still sneaking out. I mean, geez, Camille is like smashing her parents' window of their store. I mean, it's she's awful. She turns into like the <laughs> worst character. And so I don't feel sorry for her at all, um, especially at the end. You know, she, she's the one who finally gets scared, uh, Camille is, when she sees the ultrasound and won't even look at it and then she loses the baby and so and then leaves town and so to me it ends up being she's really the antagonist of the film that's how i see it is camille is absolutely the antagonist of the film and if anyone is the is the protagonist i would say it's probably clem because she is the one who kind of you know wants this more than wants to be accepted and so i don't know it's not a film for me to like but it's a film that makes me think about the whole idea of what it means to be a teenager and the idea of being, uh, accepted and connected. And yes, I mean, the film can be boring. It can be, uh, slow. It's hard to like the characters, but like it really, like for me, it put into perspective so many things about the way that teenagers think and need some of this, these elements that they're getting here.
0: I Mm, I think I, I I appreciate your what what I will classify as a vigorous defense of the film, and I say vigorous in quotes because I don't think you're
1: as I, I don't I don't think you loved it. No, I, I didn't love it, but I, I I think that there are a lot of things to think about in this particular. Yeah, film. yeah, no, I I get that. I
0: I do think that this movie actually gives teenagers less credit than they deserve. I think I have a higher opinion. Of, of teenagers generally than maybe this movie does. And, you know, in in thinking about the, the true story and the fact that this was a post-pregnancy pact in real life makes more sense to me now why the whole premise of this movie, twisting it to be a pre-pregnancy pact and everybody wants to get pregnant, seems so silly to me because that's not the story. That's not what happened. That's just like armchairing the the experience into something that's more dramatic or, or, you know, and and I don't think I don't think teenagers are that stupid. And uh, I it actually makes me a, a little bit more thoughtful about those who did for whatever their circumstances get pregnant and decide to stick together to to help one another. That's actually, you know, given the circumstances, Probably something to be lauded in some way, or shape, or form, right? I mean, that's a good thing: form a community, take care of one another. This movie is about forming a community to intentionally destroy futures in some way, shape, or form, right? It, it, that that they were young people who are intentionally doing something out of groupthink that is damaging to their futures because it's so uncertain, right? What what could possibly happen? Uh, and I I just don't I don't like that. I don't like that that was the twisted direction that they went with this movie. And I don't think it's actually illustrative of anything in real life. I, uh, you know, I don't, I just don't, I don't believe it. And because the movie constantly makes me stop and think about my position against the story that's unfolding on screen, um, I I never lose myself in it. I never, I can just never be there. I can never be there.
1: Well, yeah. And I, I, I think that makes sense. I mean, you know, I'm not disagreeing with your perspective at all i think that there are probably a lot of people who watch this film and will have that reaction you know it's it's it can be a frustrating film for people to to look at i i don't necessarily think that in any way it's it's saying like this is a story uh, well it's hard to say i would assume that by the time they were making this film uh three years after the the actual gloucester high school uh controversy that they also would have learned that it had been um, not necessarily. Uh, the the pact before yeah. they got not pre post not pre post no. yeah yeah but so what i i think they perhaps are trying to do instead of telling a story based in reality is telling essentially a morality play uh, you know they're they're i mean this is kind of is it a parable or a fable yeah like like the parables of the bible like there
0: are stories that are lessons to be learned to apply more broadly in life
1: But that's a fable, too, like all of Aesop's fables. Like, it's like one little message that they're trying to get to you. A fable is an atheist's parable. (laughs) Watch what you say about Aesop. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, It's just because the grasshopper, you know, hadn't been blessed by Jesus yet. (laughs) (laughs) That's exactly right. Uh, So, yeah, parable, fable. It's essentially that type of a story, and it's hard. And this is where I think it's interesting because, in context of a film, it makes it challenging to tell this type of story. Because, like, I I would challenge you to find a parable or a fable where you're finding characters that you're connecting with. Those stories aren't designed like a film where you have a character and you really kind of go along their journey with them. It's designed to look pretty much from the outside in. Watching something that happens so that you can learn a lesson in the end. That's what those are for. And really, that's kind of what this ends up being for me. It's its like, let's look at this particular situation uh, just so we can see kind of what got us to that point, And then just think about, like, you know, is there a way around it? What I don't know is, uh, you know, the conversations in France at the time around this film or not um Was there an issue in France relating to teen pregnancies, relating to abortions, relating to elements that would have made this film more timely in uh, kind of the French communities? Yeah, that's actually an interesting question. Um,
0: I I just did a very quick uh, real-time search, and in 2011, births to adolescents 18 years of age or or younger accounted for only 0.3% of total live births in France the prevalence of pregnancies among adolescent girls is in the order of 30 per 1000 holding
1: steady since the mid 1990s that doesn't seem huge to me but maybe it is and that's where there are other interesting elements happening within the film that uh, you know they get touched on as you know we have a a a teacher round table where all the teachers are trying to figure out what is going on Oh and, oh, and then we yes. have the later, yeah. we have the meeting with the parents and kind of the blame getting bounced back and forth between them. So there are interesting elements about who takes responsibility for these sorts of things when they happen.
0: The, the main character I did relate to the most, besides Angry Dad, was the hapless principal. I thought he was delightful, like shrugging and wandering down the hall with his hands in his pockets. Like that guy was, he was sad and he was terrified of parents. And I think he was the best thing in this movie.
1: And just watching them as he shows them the uh, birthing video. Yes. Yeah, (laughs) totally, totally. Yeah. No. Well, and also I just, I couldn't help but love the one teacher who's just like, uh, can we just like get back on topic? Am I supposed to be doing this thing or not? Like yeah. completely <laughs> like, <laughs> the one who wants to get back. But then there's also that teacher who's just like, "This is progress," and I'm like, "Wow." Yeah. Uh, and so that made me wonder, it, or, you know, are the Coulon, Coulon, Coulon sisters? Are they also saying something about like, kind of the political views of uh, teen pregnancy and stuff? Like, you know, is are they commenting on liberals saying, "Oh, this is great." progress women making decisions for themselves you know there are there are elements in the conversations there that um struck a chord with me as to you know something that they were wanting to get like a message out
0: i guess i can see that i uh, that that they're kind of activist filmmakers in their way but again if they're going to be activist filmmakers like what's the point of twisting the story and, and i think culturally in france there's always this that been and i mean historically there has been this this slight, I don't want to call it sort of raised nose, but there is a a cultural sentiment of look at what the Americans have done now. I have such a hard time understanding how French people heard this story and thought this is an American thing that happened and we're going to make a movie uh, about it, but set it in France that, that, as if these are our people like I, that. I, I just like I can't imagine, a, uh, you know, a
1: French educator saying, yeah, that would totally happen here. Right. But that, and you, you mentioned this at the very beginning, setting this where they did in this town that feels like it's dying. Like for me, like every time they're walking around, it feels like it used to be kind of an important coastal town, but now it feels like everything on the coast is kind of dead. Like nothing is happening there. And like even their families feel like they're, they're kind of falling apart too. Like nothing feels alive anymore it all feels on its way out and so that also i'm like i wonder if they're commenting and now i know the filmmakers are from this town and and i think that they may have um wanted to set it there just because of their connection to this particular place yeah but i couldn't help but feel like there was something about kind of this uh and also like the whole ladybug thing like all these ladybugs like they're at the beginning of the film there's this ladybug invasion and all the ladybugs it's like lemmings they're all like Basically, flying out to the beach and dying in the water, and it just like it felt like the town, like everything is just kind of like on its way out here. This is Detroit. Had it been decimated during
0: World War II and then rebuilt over forty years, right? That's the city that we're talking about here in in Lorient, and and I think it's it's in the far northeast of uh, of France of the country, and it has a you know a really interesting city because of its you know during the occupation when uh, the the germans swept through france they made this a major u-boat u-boat port right and and so this this city was a massive manufacturing facility and also as such a major ally target and so Whoa. it was it was bombed okay. and destroyed
1: heavily uh, really? uh during world war Two. yeah to the, to the point where where is which side of the coast is this on like where is this in coast of france
0: North northeast but so there's this little like thumb of of france that comes out north of the loire valley and it's on the south side of this big kind of peninsula that comes oh. out of of france so it's like northeast of paris okay um, okay and um so it comes it kind of nestles up around you know what are those islands guernsey islands and things but it's on the south side of of that sort of peninsula i don't know what you call it geographically it's got a, i'm sure it has a name
1: But it seems like that's also putting it in that place where it, you know, between it and England, like there's a lot of uh, reason for battles to end up kind of happening across that whole swath.
0: It truly and if you stay if you look straight south from this city on the coast, you're looking at like Bilbao, like you're looking at Spain. Uh, you know, and so. Oh, OK. Um, so it's on that side. But that's also w- one of the things that sort of protected it, I guess, from England, from what was going on there. But it made it a huge, a, a huge like that. This is where like all the submarines would leave uh, through the Bay of Biscay for, for the Germans and that it was just, uh, you know, between this is one of the money quotes is between January 14, 1943 and February 17th, 1943. Five hundred post, uh, five hundred explosive aerial bombs, and more than sixty thousand incendiary bombs were dropped on Lourdes. It, it was rebuilt. It took uh, you know forty years. They put shelter, like wood shacks, up that stood for decades as they rebuilt the city. It, this is one of those ancient cities in France. I mean, this is a Roman city, right? And it was uh, rebuilt with hardly a taste of its history because it was all wiped out. Today it it you know it became this sort of you know ship shipbuilding port and i love zooming in really close on on you know google maps on the satellite view because you can see like the the history that's left and it's just like industrial chic the entire coastline is is you know ports and massive you know ship launch uh bays up and down so you kind of get this i think that's kind of an important bit of history when you look at who these people are in the movie, and and that adds a bit of texture to it. Like who who we're looking at these these people are the result of decades of history in a place that has suffered greatly
1: and rebuilt as uh, you know over a, a yo-yo of the last seven decades. For me, I think that's a really interesting element that they uh, that I feel in the film. Like it always feels just kind of crummy and dingy and dying. Yeah, yeah, no doubt, no doubt, yeah interesting um my last little note that i had was um i really enjoyed the scene when they're on the beach and like having a little bonfire and the soccer ball lands in the fire and it's on fire and then they're all kicking the burning soccer ball around i was like if that's not a metaphor for like yeah right exactly what what they've decided to do uh, i don't know what is um and it was just a beautiful (laughs) image too yeah i i agree with that (laughs) i've got
0: one win you got one (laughs) Uh, You know, I mean, there's this this movie is it it it's it is a challenging movie. It is not an enjoyable movie. uh, And and I don't you know, I didn't I didn't relate to it. And I think it's disrespectful of the people that it's trying to showcase. Love the town and and love select images in
1: it. But I have to say your defense of it has not swayed me. Well, and I, you know, I'm not trying to sway you. I'm just, I, I think that a it's still. A little bit, don't you, no, a little I don't, bit. I, I don't I think so. I sometimes am trying to sway you, so I okay. Be okay, maybe a little. All right, fine, <laughs> maybe a little. But I'm okay with you not being swayed because I still think there was a lot of interesting points to talk about in this film. and And that's, for me, what I get out of this film is like the horrors of a situation like this happening and kind of that decision for young people to just kind of go along with, other young people just because they they want to be part of the club like that to me is is a really scary thing i mean it's far different from like suicide club the the japanese movie where all the kids decide they're going to commit suicide together which is really horrifying yeah that's almost more horrifying than this but um it but it's that same thing and that's why i think that it still warrants an interesting conversation
0: well and you know andy that's interesting because there are other like when you talk about other movies like this you know i mean what, what would you compare this to? Um, we, uh, it, interestingly, uh, uh, Brian's in the chat room and he compares it to things like Virgin Suicides and The Bling Ring. And there's there's something to that, right? But I liked both of these those movies better than this.
1: Well, I mean, we're going to be talking about Virgin Suicides later in our season. So, I mean, certainly if anyone watches that, um, they, want, they can send us a review. We'd love to include it when we talk about it. I think that there's, uh, well, I mean, this film was very much when it came out compared to Sophia coppola's style of filmmaking yeah and i just want to make sure you heard me there like i like that movie better oh no and, i heard and you. you know how i feel about Sofia Coppola. yeah i know you're not a fan <laughs> it'll be interesting when we get to those uh to see um yeah uh, premiere magazine actually compared this film to the virgin suicide saying it's uh, same languid pop same delicately grainy picture same kind of heterogeneous female cast same absence of boys reduced to the roles of stooges So I think that you and Premier Magazine um, feel pretty close. Does Premier Magazine even exist? Are they like 10 years later from
0: that? Are they still around? What are you saying? I think you're saying something about me and my opinions by saying that right
1: now. (laughs) (laughs) Premier Magazine. So you and Premier Magazine agree, and they're a dinosaur. They don't even exist anymore. Well, when would Premier have said this? Because what's interesting, their final issue, April 2007. How are they still commenting <laughs> on this film in 2011?
0: From the what? grave, Vandy. <laughs> From the grave!
1: That is crazy. I think that they must have an international edition that's still is out there or something, because otherwise that's bonkers to me. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, we will be right back, but first, our credits.
0: The Next Reel is a production of True Story FM, engineering by Andy Nelson, music by Dan Zeitune, featuring Lauren Neumann, L'Oreal Novella, and Eli Catlin. Andy usually finds all the stats for the awards and the numbers at d-numbers.com, boxofficemojo.com, imdb.com, and wikipedia.org. Find the show at truestory.fm. If your podcast app allows ratings and reviews, consider doing that for this show. So good.
1: Did you hear Steven, S- Steven Soderbergh's doing the sequels? 18 Girls. <laughs> <laughs> uh-huh. I, think, I think he uh-huh. only should do sequels now for films that have a number that's Ordinal. Yes. beyond one. Yes. Like, it, you know, the starting, you know, we've got Ocean's seven 11, Seven Samurai. 12, He's going to do Eight Samurai. He's going to do Eight Samurai. Yeah. What other ones came out? The number 24. He'll do the Jim Carrey sequel. Number okay.
0: What, uh, wasn't there a something, Nights in Soho? No. Seven, 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 seven days in May. Seven days in May. You you do there also the eighth, seven nights the in, Soho. in May? I don't know. I swear there was days in Soho. Um,
1: <laughs> Ocean's Eighteen Girls. That's <laughs> awesome. Uh, okay, a popular culture, though. Yeah. What do you got? I mentioned to you that this film. Twenty nine weeks later, Brian. Shut up! You are distracting me. <laughs> I kid. I kid. So I, I mentioned to you earlier how uh, this film. Um, it's not something that's going to have sequels or remakes, but it did inspire a good number of other stories. And well, I shouldn't say this did, but the Gloucester high school teen pregnancy controversy inspired a number of other stories. Um, Law and Order Special Victims Unit, SVU, there was an episode that came out shortly after it featured a pregnancy pact between four high school girls, so not nearly as many. And again, one of them becoming involved with a mentally ill homeless man to conceive her child. Um, An episode of Bones called The Salt in the Wounds that had a high school girls volleyball team horror story for me right there, because that is my daughter. That's your kid. exactly. Uh, A lot of them doing the same thing. Um, There was a book about this called Not My Daughter, inspired by the events of Gloucester. Uh, Lifetime, as you already mentioned, had a movie called The Pregnancy Pact, inspired by the events. There was a documentary called The Gloucester 18 where they actually involved a number of the girls uh, first time that they actually talked about this. And it's supposedly the only source of the real story and how uh, there wasn't a real story. Um, and there was a Spanish miniseries called El Pacto, which was based on it. Uh, plus, of course, this film. All right. So it's I mean, it's one of those things. You have a situation like this. People are like, damn. That is that the, the Gloucester story? <laughs>
0: I would love, I think I actually would love to see the Gloucester story. Is it like five minutes long? Is it a short? (laughs) It's just like, yes, we were, we should form a pact now that we're pregnant.
1: Yes. And let's make it non controversial. Okay. Roll credits. Yeah. Right. No. Yeah. It's interesting. Uh, But I mean, to that end, I mean, you know, I mean, high school pregnancy is obviously a thing. So it's a thing. It's a real thing. All right. How many girls would you say when you were in high school got pregnant? Like per year? Like, all of, of all of them or of girls I knew? Just, to, just of all the girls. Like, do you have a sense? Because, like, I don't know how it was where you were in high school, but, like, the high school girls, when they got pregnant, they ended up having, like, some special classes at, like, one end of the building and you rarely saw them. I don't know if that was just to separate them, but I feel like there were maybe two or three tops. Uh, so it was never a big number. I didn't
0: know... I didn't know or know of anyone in my high school who got who who got pregnant accidentally. In fact, the first accidental pregnancy I came in contact with was a friend uh, in when I was a junior in college, and so, you know, she was already what are you a junior in college? Twenty one at that point. Like, so I I feel like I I just didn't I didn't have
1: a connection to it. My my ex girlfriend in high school actually ended up getting pregnant her senior year. You you roll with a crowd. I sure did. <laughs> All right, no packs though. You didn't form no any... packs. No. Okay, that's good. Cool. No. Yeah. How to do at award season? It wasn't a big one. I think probably <laughs> really? a lot of people. A lot of people felt the way you did with this one, but it did still have three wins, six other nominations at the Cannes Film Festival. It was nominated. Uh, in in two categories where they're looking at first and or second features at the critics week grand prize which showcases first or second feature films it was nominated uh for the coulomb sisters but lost to take shelter uh jeff nichols film which is a fantastic second film of his and it was nominated for the golden camera award which goes to the best first features and that lost to las acacias uh and then at the caesar awards which are the french oscars it was nominated for best first film but lost to the film when pigs have wings (laughs) i really want to know what i will
0: i will fall in love with 17 girls when pigs fly andy that's why that's (laughs) funny
1: to me well okay hold on because now i'm incredibly curious what is when pigs have wings After a tempest, fishermen do not only find fish in their nets. That is what happens to Jafar, a poor fisherman who lives poorly in Gaza. And what he hauls in is really upsetting. Imagine that a pig. An unclean animal judged impure, not only by the faith of Islam, but also by the Jewish religion. Determined to get rid of the animal, Jafar's, Jafar tries desperately to sell it, first to a United Nations official, then to a Jewish colony where Yelena raises pigs not for their meat, but for security reasons. Of course, going unnoticed in the company of a, quote, forbidden animal among his Palestinian brothers, past Israeli soldiers and under the scrutiny of Islamic fundamentalists, is no bed of roses and a series of misadventures awaits Jafar. Okay. Sounds like quite the adventure film. Yeah. Maybe we should add it to the list. When Pigs Have Wings. When Pigs Have Wings. Sylvain Estebal. All right. How did you get the box off? This was a tough one. All the financial data I could find online contradicted itself. It was very annoying. I did find a French site that had some data, and for no other reason than proximity... I'm going to use their numbers. The Coulons had a budget... Would I say Coulons, or do I not pronounce that S? This is where I never understand don't, French... Don't, pr- don't You never don't say S, S in French. It's a silent letter always, right? That's not, that that's true? not true. I think that's it's true. It's not always. The Coulons too much. had a budget of just over 3 million euros, which is about 4.5 million in today's dollars. The film premiered at Cannes in 2011 before opening in France December 14, 2011. It had a limited U.S. release September 21st, 2012, Opposite End of Watch, Trouble with the Curve, House at the End of the Street, Dread, and the limited release of Perks of Being a Wallflower. This opened on 10 screens, but it could not find an audience, dropping out of theaters after only eight weeks. This film only earned $15,000 in the U.S. and $214,000 everywhere else, giving it a total gross in today's dollars of $261,000. That leaves the film with an adjusted loss per finished minute of $50,000.
0: You don't like seeing those albums.
1: You really don't, but... It hurts. It, it hurts. It hurts,
0: but it is it is what it is.
1: Well it does make me wonder. So we have our directors, which we didn't talk about, Muriel and Delphine, as the writer directors of this particular film. They've only directed one other film, The Stopover, in yeah. 2016. But uh it looks like have they done much else? I haven't seen it much else. Oh, they they worked on a, a project that they co wrote. Yeah, they did a lot of camera work. Uh, you know, Muriel did a lot of camera work before delphine not much Uh, this it it could be a situation where it just you know they've been working on doing some writing on some other stuff but i i don't know if they've really been able to kind of get their career to take off yeah
0: well again making movies is hard i totally get it and i i i really hate not liking a film i really do like i I don't i get no joy out of not enjoying a movie especially one that we sort of have to watch for the show i i i really would prefer coming in loving movies i just didn't have a good experience with this movie and um uh so i'm i'm looking forward to whatever comes next
1: yeah i mean i i am too it's it's definitely a film that was a hard watch um you know it definitely felt more like a horror film just kind of watching this scenario but that's coming at it as a father of a girl this age so it it was a very different perspective I I think that there's a lot of interesting points to discuss about this film. I like I said it's not a film I'm going to return to. It's a it's kind of a tough watch, um but I'm you know, I am glad that I at least got uh something out of it more than more than you and some of our other listeners uh seem to have gotten because it, you know, it didn't make it a painful watch for me. Good. All uh-huh. right, fine. Show off. Whatever. <laughs> All right, everybody. Well, we will be right back. Uh, for our ratings But first Here's the trailer For next week's movie The Future They said We'll come back For you Papa Papa pa. That's what they called me And they called each other Sophie And Jason Hi We're here for an adoption We can't release them Until this comes off He has about a month to go. The woman that was here before said that
0: he only had six months left. If he bonds with you, he could easily hang on five years. We'll be 40 in five years. Uh, 40 is basically 50, and then. That's it for us. God, I always thought I'd be smarter.
1: Is 30 days. If we were dying in a month, we would definitely reprioritize. Right. So the internet's going to be turned off in the next hour. So the second you get in the door, you'll want to look up anything you need to look up. Christmas falls on a Tuesday this Don't year. look that up. Oh, I don't know. I've been gearing up to do something really incredible for the last 15 years. 30 days, 30 dances. I emailed everyone. They're all waiting for me. <laughs> no one cares. Why not? You're pregnant. We both are. How does it feel? It's a drag, but it's also amazing. We're here to enroll our daughter, Jaylene, in
0: pre-ballet. I take your coat?
1: It's um, kind of part of my outfit. I have to tell you something. What? Um, one thing is that I'm wild. It can be very hard in the beginning. We didn't have those kind of problems in the beginning. Well, the thing is, you're just in the middle of the beginning right now. If it's going to work out, could you just give me a little indication? I don't know anything. I'm just a rock in the sky.
0: All right, Andy. It's time for reviews. I worry that I tipped my hat a little bit too much over the last hour, and now you know where I'm going to land. Like I know,
1: I know you're not going to like it. I don't know why that's a thing now. Like it's, it's like this weird, mystery. No, it's not just for you. It's not a mystery. It's it's that. Oh, I do love the mystery, but it's not
0: this. It's just like no. This is. Uh, I know exactly where I'm going to go with this movie. What about you? Where do you? Land? I think yours is the big surprise.
1: I have been debating about this. Um, because i think i got more out of this film than so far anyone i know <laughs> which is you and some of our listeners i've seen them post their thoughts your, on did it. your wife watch this movie with you no i i just watched it by myself i, um, I asked my wife if she wanted to watch it. And she asked she said what's it about i told her and she said "Ugh, god no why yeah so that's again it's a horror film right i mean yeah. that's exactly it it's it's something as a parent you were like that just sounds terrifying i don't want to watch that um, I think I'm going to land a three stars and no heart. Um, I think that the film, it's, it's you know, far from perfect, but there are really interesting elements that for me generated a lot of thought and interesting things to think about. It's not a film I'm going to return to, but uh, I still think that it was, uh, you know, it was competently made and an interesting story. So three stars, no heart for me.
0: One star, no heart for me. Uh, not going to watch
1: it again. Was bored most of the time when I wasn't. Mad. Not very much fun. But I will say it's better to be mad than bored. So at least it generated anger in you sometimes. Because I think think that counts as a win. Well, okay. Sometimes. I hear that a lot. If you were bored the entire time, then I I you would say, yeah, that really sucks for you. Was I mad though at the film or was I mad at you
0: for making me watch it? I think we'll never know. I didn't make you watch this film. Oh, yeah. You put it, you, this was your choice on the list, I'm sure.
1: <laughs> 100%. I'm sure. <laughs> oh, well, it's going to be an interesting, uh, set of, uh, films to look at for our celebration of our 10th anniversary and celebrating these films' 10th anniversaries. Uh, I don't know how many people are returning to this film, but I, I don't think it's a film that, um, I think that you could really watch this. It's not going to date. Like, it's not a dated film, um, but I certainly, you know, think it's, an, it's a it's a horrific film to look at, and I, I wonder how many people are going to uh, kind of just willingly jump into it. Yeah, I don't know. I, I, I wish you luck. Good luck and Godspeed, film viewers. So what did you think about Seventeen Girls? We want to know. Hop into the Show Talk channel over in Discord, where we are going to be talking about it this week. When the movie ends, our conversation begins.
0: Letterboxd giveth, Andrew.
1: As Letterboxd always doeth. And how.
0: I know what your review is. I'm spoiled on it, and I think you need to end with it. So I'm going to go ahead and go first, if you're okay. (laughs) Sure. Uh, This is a a two-and-a-half star star, uh, watched by, (laughs) quote, Clem. I don't know if Clem changed their name for this review because of this movie, but I, I live for it. Viva la vodka, Clem says. This film has nothing to be good, not even good characters or a good, or a good cinematography. Oh, my God, European filmmaker, mostly French, though, need to stop with this pale white color palette. Please, don't you see it's boring? And nothing seems to be developed. The characters' personalities are overflown and meaningless. They felt completely empty to me. The dialogues are way too simple and common. This lack of complexity and provocation in the words used definitely prevents from making a mark on people's mind. Indeed, everything seems to match with the shades of white, bland, and lifeless colors of the film's cinematography. Let's be honest, it's a pretty f***ed up story. So that's what they should have made. A pretty f***ed up movie. I can see they tried to be deep at some point, but it was like, for two seconds? I was hoping for it to be a little educative. To point out the fact that women can do whatever they want with their bodies. To show young girls they have the right to choose what's good for them. But for some reason, this part was completely non-existent. You know, I wonder why they made this movie in the first place if it wasn't to educate people. I'm so mad. Thank God Esther Gorella's in it. If it wasn't for her, I wouldn't be here. Also, I was supposed to watch a Gregoraki movie, but ended up watching this mess. Why do I keep wasting my time with movies I know are bad? Okay, <laughs> I agree with a lot of that, especially the, the messed up story. <laughs> Just go all in. Go all in on a messed up story. Uh, but we do have a bonus that you wanted to make sure we included. Should we read that now? Sure. Mariah says, uh, three stars, watch this as a way too impressionable 14-year-old and proceeded to fantasize about emulating it with my friends, even though as far as I remember, the ending is pretty tragic, ladybugs.
1: (laughs) Yeah. See? Ow. See? No, you're right. Yet you have a better opinion of teenagers, Pete. There you go right there (laughs)
0: fantasize
1: fantasize about all kinds of crazy stuff that's true all right i got a two and a half by russman who says if you type help i'm into google followed by any number in the teens google (laughs) auto completes most of them with and pregnant (laughs) wow yes so true so true
0: (laughs) thanks letterboxd i've been podcasting since 2006